This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. Today, my guest has a very interesting life. He is married to Dana, his name is Lou, and he has been traveling all around Europe for the past two years or so in a van. And he has a very large Instagram following with his wife, and they post inspirational pictures and beautiful pictures of landscape around Europe, and also um, pictures of their own life, both their highlights living out of a van, and also the lowlights and the challenges. And one of the big challenges that Lou, my guest today, faces is that he also has rheumatoid arthritis. And him and I and his wife have connected online because in the past he has done the Patterson program. Uh, to the to the letter uh, for 12 months and wants to share today the great results that he's had with that. But also he's explored some other healing options. We're going to talk about his water fast that his wife are up to next. They live this fascinating life where they're always on the go and exploring the world. And it's a it's a life that's rich and full of adventure. And we're going to hear about that today as well as his health challenges and how he finds this balance. So Lou, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I feel like we've listened to so many of these episodes. We listen to them in the van all the time. And I've just gotten so much valuable information from these podcast episodes. So I'm hoping we can provide some of that today for someone else as well. And likewise, I've been following what you both have been up to on your Instagram uh, and YouTube. And in fact, the reason that I reached out to you again, this not being the first time I've invited you onto the show, I reached out to you again recently is when I saw your video that you guys created about your water fast. And it was not only highly interesting, but fascinating to watch in terms of its production values and the way it was edited. And so uh, that's on YouTube for everyone to watch. And I'll post a link to to that uh, in the show notes of this episode. But yes, when I saw that, I'm like, wow, uh, you're doing some wonderful things and inspiring people. So I really wanted to to, to get you on here. So let's talk about the van, right? So everyone associates the two of you with this adventure that you've had in a van. So perhaps you could talk about how that all began and, and what the idea was behind that before we then get into some health stuff. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I lived in a 1981 Mercedes 307D van for almost two years together and we built everything ourselves. And the reason we decided that van life was something we wanted to try was we had been living in Berlin at the time, and we really loved taking walks in the evenings, and we'd walk around. And in Berlin, there's just so many old vans, um, and there's lots of people living in them instead of living in apartments. And so one night, we just kind of like looked around, and we're like, well, we could probably do that too. And it took a very long time to turn that dream into reality. We had to get German driver's licenses, which is no easy feat. And then buying a van in Germany was also quite difficult. And then we ended up building out the entire back of the van to turn it into a home with a fridge and a gas stove and solar panels and all of that. That took about six months. 
But yeah, it was a very long, beautiful journey. And right now we just sold our van after two years. It was very sad, but we are moving on to the next part of our adventure, which is buying a sailboat. <laughs> As you do. Like you obviously you've done the land, now you're gonna do the sea next. Uh so I can't let you off the hook without pushing this a little further because not everyone wants to give up their nice apartment or nice home and go and live in a van. So what, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people can also walk past and see people living in vans. And again, not many people would say, oh, I wouldn't mind, you know, living in that. Uh, so, you know, why why the uh, the curiosity around that and why the urge to want to go and, and go down this path? Well, I think part of the appeal of living in a van is we had been living in Berlin and we wanted to travel, but we like to cook for ourselves and we like to kind of like have our things with us and we couldn't really afford to like travel all over and see all of these beautiful places. So we kind of started thinking maybe if we bought a van, we could live in it, we could cook in it, we could save rent and drive around and see these things. And on top of that, we had a YouTube channel at the time, so we were thinking it would make for a good story, but also we could work on the road, so we didn't need to be tied to one place. So it was kind of like a combination of things. Like we have a rolling office, we have a kitchen, we can eat the food we like to eat, because we don't really eat out at restaurants or anything. So for us, travel is really just about like going to places, meeting people, walking around, but it's like being in hotels and like going to restaurants and all of that never really appealed to us. Yes, that makes sense to me now. It's kind of like one of these, uh, like like when folks retire, they'll often get one of those mobile homes and you'll see them, you know, in one of these luxury, you know, almost bus style, you know, big machines and they drag their four-wheel drive behind them so that when they get to a location, they can then use the, the car to explore. And you've just done that more on a uh, on a budget level with a van and uh, a lot of uh, your own interventions to the back of it to make it nice and comfortable the way you want it. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we actually spent a lot of time in campgrounds with other people living in vans in like those big fancy ones that you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And they're all like very, very nice people, but it looks much harder, I think, doing it when you're retired and you're mm. older and you have arthritis. And mm. I'm happy we did it now because... It's not easy. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, were there some particular highlights of the travel that you want to like talk about, something that we may not have really extracted from your online postings or perhaps something that you did post, one or two things, something that was really life-changing that you witnessed or, or something that happened while you were going around on these adventures? So I think for us, most beautiful memory is the five months we spent building the van and originally our plan had been we bought the van in germany and we're like we'll just build it on the street in germany because everything is pretty relaxed and there's lots of other vans around so we'll just live in an apartment and build the van on the street and it took so long to buy the van that it was already winter by the time we finally had the license plates on it and in germany in the winter it just rains all the time So we didn't really know where we'd be able to build this van. And we started looking at garages, but they were like a thousand euros a month to rent like a covered garage just to work on the van. So then Dana went to Google and she started looking around and she looked for the driest places in Europe. 
and the top hit was southern Spain. And so we started looking at rental cottages in southern Spain, and they turned out to be cheaper than garage space in Berlin. So we're like, maybe we should just move there and build the van there. And that's what we did. We found a little cottage on top of a mountain, and it came with two donkeys and a donkey pen and some dogs and some cats. And it was run by this nice old English lady who'd been living there for, I think, 20 years or so. And it was way on the top of this mountain. And you could see Gibraltar from the donkey pen where we worked on the van. And that was really the most beautiful time. It was really, really difficult. We lived in the cottage was really small and it had no heating. And so we had thought at the time that like it's southern Spain, it's going to be pretty warm. But unfortunately, the cottage was in a microclimate. So it was like on top of a mountain and it rained quite a lot. And the only way we could heat it was with a fireplace. But fireplaces lose quite a lot of heat because it's just like an open hole in the middle of your house. And the very first night there, the toilet overflowed into the house and the plumbing broke and all sorts of different challenges that we had to overcome. But it was just really, really fun to build something together because I think when you're building a project, it's like very, very visual. And so you see every day the work that you do. And for us, our job is very rewarding and very fun. But a lot of the time you never really see like the your like the results of all your effort. Like you post a video and you kind of like get some likes or you don't or like a photo does well or it doesn't. But there's very few like physical things. You just spend so much time like hunched over a computer and like the things that happen online don't feel real the same way as like building a home, you know, and just the feeling, I think at the end of those five months, like, well, it actually took a lot longer, like five months was just the beginning of the build, but we were really like working on it for a whole year after that to like finish everything. But just like lying in bed and looking around at like walls you built and like we built a fridge into it and like you can open the fridge and have like cold drinks from solar power on top of the van. It's just like a very like beautiful experience. And I think because you pour so much energy into it, it the van itself has like very calm energy. Mm. And even like the owners we bought from before were very nice. They were also like a young artistic couple and they had done a whole tour around Europe as well. And yeah, it was just like a very beautiful bonding experience. Yeah. And um, I, I saw some of your handiwork in one of your, it was actually in the video about the back pain and the water fasting. You're both very, very good at using your hands and, you know, building stuff and just doing what I would describe as like handy person or handyman kind of stuff, but in your van. So it's a, it's a skill that I certainly don't have. And it was very impressive seeing you guys put up an extra platform uh, for sleeping and changing out your mattresses and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely a skill set that that lends itself to living in a van that I don't have. So let's now um, shift across from that beautiful memory and, and rewarding experience to talk about your health. As you know, our audience uh, are all typically living with some kind of inflammatory arthritis. So take us through that uh, situation with yourself. How did that begin? And um, walk us through that process and bring us up to speed to when you then went into the van and presumably you had the health condition when you went into the van? So I first started noticing symptoms when I was in college. I think I was a sophomore and it started very, very gently. 
differently. Like my hands would be a little stiff in the morning or my feet would hurt a little bit. And it happened so gradually that it was actually like quite hard to notice. It wasn't like you were, were like two weeks after it hit, like it was like a very dangerous level. For me, it was like, it took, I think like six months before it like really started to become noticeable. And I think because it had been happening so gradual, it kind of like snuck up on me. And I just like, I can't like remember too clearly, but I do remember like buying boots instead of shoes with laces so that I could just like not have to tie my shoes in the morning and like not wearing shirts that had buttons. Just like started making all these like small changes in my life. And at the time I was studying in Portland, Oregon. And when I transferred to NYU, my parents put me in touch with a friend of theirs who put me in touch with one of the best rheumatologists in New York. And he did a whole bunch of blood tests because that's like what our family friend had thought. He thought that I had rheumatoid arthritis. And so I went to this rheumatologist and they did all sorts of different blood work and nothing really came back clearly. There were no like very high indications of any of the levels. And so he started me on, I think, the most gentle medication he could find just to see if my symptoms would respond to that. And they didn't. So eventually I was upgraded to Enbrel. And that was a weekly injection that I'd have to take. And you had to like store them in the fridge. And it was kind of a pain, like just to like get them and store them and also to use it. But it did work. My hands started getting better and I could tie my shoes again. And like the stiffness in my joints definitely felt better with the Enbrel. But I also started to feel very weak. And I would like strain muscles or injure myself quite easily. And I asked my doctor about it. And he said that there was no connection between the Enbrel or muscle problems. And he also said there was no connection between diet and arthritis. And so I wasn't like very content with the Enbrel. And I also wasn't like, I think, I don't remember exactly how old I was, maybe like 25 or something. I wasn't like entirely willing to inject myself with a drug every single week for the next (laughs) 70 years, you know, yeah, that just seemed like completely crazy. And also I was in these like offices and it was like me and maybe one other young person. Mm. And then everyone else looked like they were like on the way out. Yeah. So I kept going with the end roll, but I was experiencing a lot of like muscle problems. Like I strained my calf muscle and I just wasn't able to recover. I'd go to physical therapy and I also injured my back at this time carrying our air conditioning unit up four flights of stairs. And it would just take like six months for like an injury to heal. And so at the time I had been working in tech sales in New York and the company she had been working for kind of imploded. And so she was kind of exhausted from New York and she had been going out a lot with clients and drinking a lot and eating a lot of unhealthy food as like part of the job. And so she did a like month long vegan cleanse to kind of like reset after the company went under. And before that, I had actually been vegetarian in college. And then I think at some point I'd studied abroad in Barcelona and that's kind of when I dropped vegetarianism. And then she went vegan and she was like, you have to do this. Do you know all of this horrible information about what's going on right now? And I was like, yeah, I do actually. And so, yeah, she kind of like convinced me to join her. (laughs) But I've like, I've always loved eating rice and beans. So it was never really like, for me, like the home cooked food was never really an issue. It was more just like going out to eat that I was kind of worried about at the very beginning. 
But anyways, at this point, she kind of had like started the beginning of our health journey. And then the next step in that journey be when we moved to Berlin. My dad is German and my mom is Peruvian. And when his father passed, he inherited a little bit of money and he bought an apartment in Berlin with it. Um, this was like 15, 20 years ago, back when Berlin was like really, really cheap. And all of his extended family said it was a terrible idea to buy an apartment in Berlin, but he did it anyways. And so when we kind of soured on New York, they offered to let us live in their apartment in Berlin. And so that's when we moved to Berlin. We we're like, oh, this is great. We can kind of figure out what we want to do with our life. There's not as much pressure. You don't have to make as much money because the city is just so much more affordable. In Berlin, we both had jobs. I mean, excuse me, in New York, we both had jobs, but we weren't really saving any money because it's just so expensive to live there. So it was kind of like we were always losing money. And so we moved to Berlin. And that's kind of when the idea came to start a YouTube channel. Because prior to that point, we had both, I had been working at a production company in New York doing like documentary stuff. And we had both been huge fans of Anthony Bourdain, the travel mm -hmm. series. Yeah. And we'd like to watch that in the evenings. But once we went vegan, we started watching it and we we're like, oh, this is like kind of gross. Like it's mainly just like meat markets and like yeah. everything is like just dripping in blood. And so Dana was like, well, maybe we should start our own vegan travel show. And like we could make it ourselves. I could be the host. You could be the cameraman. And yeah, it was all like very idealistic and naive. But I had been working at this company and I was like, we could definitely do it for cheaper. Just like seeing, you know, maybe not better, but we could definitely do it for cheaper. And so that's kind of when the idea came to start a YouTube channel and we would make like content around vegan travel. And while we were living in Berlin to keep up with my arthritis, I was taking like storing Enbrel shots in New York with Dana's parents in their fridge. And then every time we came home, I would bring a cooler full with me back to Berlin. And in order for that to work, I had to wean myself off. So I went from a weekly shot to taking one shot every two weeks and then even one shot every month. And to be honest, it didn't even really make that much of a difference going to a lower dosage. I didn't like notice that my symptoms were coming back in any way, but eventually it just became too tiring to like get this medication back and forth. And I was also never really sold on the idea of taking medication for the rest of my life. So at some point, I kind of just stopped once we ran out of shots. And I think it was like nine or 12 months after that, that my symptoms like came back because it, it just happened so gradually. Mm. And finally, I was like in a lot of pain again. And I, I told my wife. And so she does what she always does and go, went on Google and the first thing that came up was the Patterson program. And she's like, Lou, we have to do this. This looks incredible. And I wasn't entirely sold at first. It looked like it was going to be very, very tough. And I was also quite addicted to, to coffee. So I was like, I don't know if I can give that up. But yeah, I don't remember exactly how she convinced me. She's very persuasive. But the very first time we did the program together, so she did it with me. And she would make me green juice every morning. And we did it like exactly to a T, no exceptions. And it just worked so well. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. At first, like the first four days, I was so mad at her. I was like, this is terrible. Like, I feel terrible because I was also withdrawing from caffeine, you know, so it's like caffeine withdrawal itself is 
a brutal process and just like I just couldn't eat just like the plain plain foods but then I think it only took like seven days before it started working so well I couldn't believe it and I think two weeks in I was hooked I was like yeah like this works (laughs) can't that it works (laughs) and I think it took it might have taken in like two to three months I think within two to three months my pain was down like 95 percent and then like the last five percent took a while but I've kind of always found that's the case with me like I can keep it at like 90 percent with like good amount of stuff and then the last 10 percent is a real challenge um but with the patterson program i think it was like after nine months i was down to zero pain Mm. yeah it's fantastic and you did all of this whilst on your travels so we did all of this while in berlin and it was kind of like the ideal perfect place to do it because berlin has organic grocery stores that are just 100 percent organic so you don't don't have to like read any labels or anything it's like it's all just very easy And the organic stores are more expensive, but they're still quite a lot cheaper than groceries can be in the U.S. And so we kind of like built our own little bubble because it was just me and her and we'd made a couple new friends there. But it was like it was very, very easy to just do it together. And even our friends, like all of our friends in Berlin were vegan. So we would just like bring quinoa and like sweet potatoes and stuff whenever we did like dinners or anything. And I could just like eat my quinoa from like a takeout container or whatever and no one was like judgmental or anything they were just kind of like wow that's like intense but (laughs) they kind of all thought it was funny that that, that's fantastic so then when you got on the road did things become harder once you got into the van i i imagine that they did with food preparation and being able to source things as you begin to move from city to city and even from probably campsite to campsite, trying to work out, well, how do I replenish my supplies? How do I prepare the food? How do I do green juices on the road? And that sort of stuff. Did that become a major challenge and did that impact on your health? So it became challenging, I think, even before we went on the road, because I think we like we did the program for a while and then we came home and got married in New York. And so we were living at home for a while and that kind of like threw everything off even before we'd gotten into a van. So then when we came back to Berlin, we were kind of like in this in-between where it's like, are we on the program? Are we not on the program? Like the slip came already then. And then when we bought the van, I kind of like recommitted to being oil-free because I wanted to be strong enough to like build everything. But I've kind of always found with my symptoms that like if I don't, drink alcohol and I don't drink caffeine and I don't eat oil, that gets me like 90% of the way. And so that like last 10% requires like eating a ton of greens and like making sure I don't eat any like processed food or, you know. Yeah, yeah, I do. Exactly. Yep. During the van build, that was kind of the level I was at. And it was also a lot harder when we were in Spain to get organic and we didn't have a juicer. So it was like the amount of like greens I was eating went way down compared to Berlin, where like we would have to hike down this mountain with our backpacks for like an hour to go visit a farmer's market, or we'd have to drive for an hour to like go to a grocery store. It wasn't just like hopping down a couple flights of stairs and walking five minutes to like a beautiful organic grocery store. It was kind of like much harder just to get food even while living in a cabin. 
And then when we moved into the van, it almost became easier to eat simple because it's just so hard to cook in a van that it's like if all you're trying to eat is like rice or quinoa and like some beans and some lettuce, like it's that's like that's ideal van food. <laughs> like the simpler your food is, like the easier it will be to cook. And at the very beginning, we didn't even have we hadn't finished building the van completely before our rental agreement had expired. And so we were living in the van at the same time that we were building it and our propane system wasn't done. So we would have to just cook on like a small camping stove outside every night. And so basically we would just eat oats in the morning in the camping stove. And then in the evening we would eat quinoa or rice and then like chop up some veggies and put that on top. But it was very, very like rustic. Yeah. So anyone who's watching or listening to this can't complain about having to uh, eat some of the simple foods, uh, given you know how extremely simple you guys had to had to take it. Um, so then let me let me let me see. Then so you're off the Enbrel, you've done a year on the Patterson program, and you've had excellent results. And then you've gone to, and got married, which is lovely. And then you've uh, started your adventures. And then when you were on your adventures is when uh, my wife, Melissa, became aware of a couple of just hashtags, um, Patterson program. And, and she's like, oh, you should check out this couple. They're lovely. They're on the road. Uh, they're in this van. They're traveling around Europe. Look at this post. Look at this post. And so that's where, uh, you know, I started to become aware of what you guys are up to. So with now that you've been through that experience and that amazing travel through Europe. Where's your health at at the moment? And what do you do with your management of it so that everything, uh, so that you remain, you know, able to keep your symptoms low enough so you don't need to go back on one of the drugs? So I think the first time you reached out to us, I wasn't entirely sure, like, what my health program was going to be. So I didn't want to come on the podcast because I was like, I don't really know where this is going and what I can offer. But after living in the van, I don't remember. I think it was before, even before the water fast, I'd kind of like, it took me a long time to like make the like change in my brain into thinking that like the way I'm eating oil free is just the way I'm always going to eat. Yeah. Like when I first did the program, I kind of like had the illusion that like at some point, like things would go back to normal. and it took a while to like figure out what the new normal would be. I actually got this tattoo. I don't know if you can see it. I got this five here. This was like my, I got it as the fifth attempt of the Pattison program. Wow. And I just kind of, I, my, I was like fifth and final. So it's like, I'm not like, I don't want to like jump on and off the program anymore. I've just kind of like made a new program in my head that works. And my rule is that I eat oil five days per year. Oh. Okay. And knowing that you can allow yourself to do that makes it feel like you know, a little bit more freedom. It's like Dr. McDougall, I believe, has one piece of turkey once a year at one meal, I believe, or something just so it's in an optimal health way. And I could be misquoting that, mm -hmm. but I know that he allows one cheat of some kind once per year. And uh, it may be what I just said. So, that's interesting that, that you also have made that uh, that kind of you know uh, rule for yourself. And have you found that when you when you do eat those oily meals, 
Do you notice any symptoms? And I imagine also you're not going overboard. You're only just having a little oil, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes we go overboard, but everything is always vegan. So it's not like, I mean, vegan junk food is still junk food, but it doesn't like have quite the same punch, I think, as like animal-based junk food. But I always wake up feeling like kind of puffy and stiff. I can't really tell though if that's the arthritis or if that's like just what, what junk food you feel like. Yeah. You know, I think like it does just make you feel terrible. It's just like very bad food. But I do find that like having the five per year makes the rest of the year a lot easier. Mm. And it mm. kind of like it makes me want to eat healthier on just the day to day. You know, this was also last year when I first did the program, I stopped drinking alcohol and then during our wedding, I started drinking again. Not like a lot, but just like the normal amount that most people drink. And on January 1st, I decided I wasn't going to drink at all in 2019. And that has definitely made a huge difference, not just because like drinking affects arthritis, but I think also because it's very hard to eat healthy when you drink alcohol. Mm. It's just like, you know, at least for me, it's like it's much easier to like decide you're going to eat like a vegan frozen pizza after you've like had a beer or something. Yeah, sort of. You know, you know, it's it's a slippery slope kind of thing. Yeah, I think like I'm lucky because my symptoms like never got terrible, and also they're very gradual. But it also means that like if I do something, there's not like immediate consequences. Like if I eat like unhealthy for like a day or even a week. Like, I'm not going to feel significantly worse. And so it's very, like, hard to stick to, like, a very high level mm. in terms of, like, what you're eating when you don't notice, like, the negative consequences right away. But after, like, a month of eating unhealthy vegan food, then I would definitely, like, look at myself and be like, oh, man, like, that's not very good. I don't feel so good. I don't look so good. I don't have so much energy. I can tell right away after, like, a month that, like, if I continued to do that, I would be in a very bad place in like six months, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's about being, that's kind of where like the five exceptions comes in. Cause it's like each time I make an exception, the next day I can be like, Oh, like I don't feel so good. Let's, let's wait a while before we do another one of those. But it's also like, it helps, I think to like feel normal to like be able to go out in New York and like try some of like the really cool things that people are doing with vegan food these days. And since for me, there's no like, terrible health consequences the next day it's kind of like it's a good way of finding balance within like a very strict system yeah i like it yep and then now you're about to take things on the water and go out on your sailboat which you're just in the process of purchasing now what new challenges do you expect with the sailboat and food prep and exercise and maintaining your health that you are going to see as different than what you experienced living in the van? So I think some things will get a lot easier and some things are going to get a lot more challenging. I think the things that will get easier is it will be a lot easier to get exercise and move just because like sailing isn't driving. So like already the activity of sailing involves some movement, whereas driving is pretty much just like sitting and in the van, we did a lot of driving and we also did a lot of just working on our laptops in the van. So it's like 
even though we were seeing all these beautiful places, we actually spent like most of our time just like on our laptops editing videos or writing newsletters or all this different stuff. And in the boat, I think it will be easier to disconnect a little bit just because you can't work when you're at sea. It's too bumpy. You'll get seasick right away. So I think like it'll be a lot easier to disconnect and kind of recharge that way. And also like I very like I really like swimming. I used to swim in college. So I feel like getting back into swimming will be really nice. And I know that like does very well with my arthritis just because it's kind of one of the few activities where I can push myself like as hard as I possibly want and there's no risk of injury. So I'm definitely excited about that. In terms of things that will get more difficult, I know that like the amount of greens I eat is going to go way down just because it's very hard to like find salad when you're in the Caribbean on a small island. A lot of these places, like a lot of produce doesn't even grow. It's all just imported. So even when you do find greens, it's like mm. it's not likely to be organic and it's probably like a week or two old. So I think like the fresh produce is definitely going to be a challenge, but I do think eating like very simple healthy food will be kind of the same as in the van, if not easier, just because we have a lot more storage space. So it'll be very easy to store like organic bags of quinoa in bulk and just have a two month supply of quinoa. And like dulce is great to store because it's super light. <laughs> so like, the very simple meals, I think, will actually be a little bit easier than the van. But yeah, my wife and I are like kind of dreading losing like fresh salad. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a bit of a challenge. But every time you dock, or you'll be able to get off and, and go and stock up again and maybe get green smoothies and just almost do a, a, mm-hmm. a detox from your healthy but not green intake that you'll be getting on the uh, on the boat. And where do you plan to go? Like where what is your destination list? So the boat we're buying right now or trying to buy is in Massachusetts. And the goal is to we're kind of exploring a couple different itineraries, but our goal as of right now is to try and make it to Grenada by June, which is when hurricane season starts in the Caribbean, or at least when the insurance companies say that hurricane season starts. So kind of everything we're working backwards from there, just because we'd like to obviously avoid the hurricanes, but also be in a nice area when the hurricanes do hit that's protected from them. So we're trying to sail from Massachusetts down. There's this thing called the Intercoastal Highway, I think it's called. (laughs) And it basically goes down the whole eastern seaboard of the United States all the way to Florida. Yeah, so and you you'll so go past we'll, our house. So we live <laughs> we live a few minutes from the intercoastal in uh, Jupiter, which is between sort of Port St. Lucie in Florida and Fort Lauderdale, which is about sort of, you know, you're on your way down to Miami, kind of heading down that direction. If you're driving on the freeway, um, we are about two hours north of Miami. And the, yeah, you're right, the intercoastal just goes, all the way down. I, I, every time I go and pick up my daughter from school, well, I don't drive over it, but I drive alongside it. And when I, where I go to the gym, I have to cross over. And where I go to yoga, I have to cross over the intercoastal. So you know, I know exactly uh-huh. where you're going to be going. It's a, and it's very protected. You know, you're not actually, uh, you're not, you're going to have a very smooth ride. There's no waves. It's all, it's, it's an like an inland channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've heard that it's like a good way to learn 
because the risk isn't so high because you're always kind of very, very close to um, help. But basically, if we decide to do that route, then we would go from Florida across the Gulf Stream to the Bahamas and then work our way towards Grenada. But the other option is to go just on the intercoastal to Norfolk. And then from there, we would hire a captain and go directly to sail out into the ocean and then down to St. Thomas. So that would be like a longer ocean ocean passage, but we would probably want an experienced captain for that mm. um, just to help us on this one. <laughs> and what sort of, how long do you expect to be on the sea or on the water? Um, it's up in there a little bit, but I think it will probably be at the very least three years. Wow. Um, potentially up to five. Wow. <laughs> God. Do, do you have any family members or friends that think you guys are crazy? Yeah, most of them are like quite worried. <laughs> it's actually quite funny because my family doesn't know much about sailing, but um, my wife's family, Dana, is very much into sailing and they had a sailboat and her dad races. Um, so they're a big sailing family. And I can't quite decide which family is more nervous, the ones that like mm. know what's out there or like the ones who don't know. Mm. Seems like it actually a pretty even split right now. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating, man. You know, I, I, um, I admire what you guys do and how you live your lives. And it's very, you know, Anthony Robbins talks about the quality of your life comes down to how much uncertainty you are willing to accept. And so if, for Mm -hmm. example, you're willing to accept a tremendous amount of uncertainty, which is complete and utter exploration, right, into the unknown, right, for people Mm -hmm. who've watched Frozen 2, parents. Um, And so that's that's exciting and that's like thrilling. And those at the other end of the spectrum who have complete certainty or as much as they possibly can, you know, think about old people who want to have their meal at exactly five zero zero on the clock every afternoon, and they want to have their cup of tea at exactly, you know, six. There's no nothing being learnt. There's nothing new, right? So, your appetite for uncertainty is enormous, and with that, I feel comes a great reward, which is learning and uh, that feeling of of excitement and thrill, and so you know. It's certainly a, a life that's rich, and I think that, you know, that's very that's very cool. Yeah, I was thinking this morning, actually yesterday when I was preparing for this call, how arthritis kind of ties into this whole, like, exploring journey. And I feel like there have been actually, like, quite a few, like, I don't, I don't know how to call them, like, almost like benefits to having arthritis or, like, the silver lining, which is that just being in pain for such a long period kind of, just gives you such a high like threshold for discomfort and so much of like traveling and seeing new places and like doing creative work is just being like okay with being uncomfortable for long periods of time. <laughs> and I think a lot of people can handle pain for like a short period of time, like acute pain for like a day or two. But I think like what really breaks people is long periods of discomfort Like I know the summer when we were living in our van, it was 110 degrees for a couple days and 100 degrees for a month. And inside the van, it was 110 degrees. And just like living in that kind of heat without air conditioning, without a shower, 
it's like it's definitely not something I could have done easily before arthritis. But I think like having gone through everything I've gone through, all these hurdles don't really feel like they're just not as challenging as arthritis, you know. Yeah, yeah most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. And your wife Dana, you mentioned this inside the video several times with the one with regards to your water fast. Uh, she's been a great support, hasn't she, this whole time? She's just incredible with helping you to not just discover things online that have helped you so much, uh, but just as a support. Yeah, she has been absolutely incredible. I think we've like we've listened to a lot of your episodes and the thing that always strikes me is just how much harder it is for people who don't have someone helping them. And I'm just so grateful that I did because there's just so much that goes into it. Like when I first did the program, she was the one who discovered it to begin with. I think it's just like, it's very hard to have a clear mind when you're in so much pain. And so she was kind of the one who was like, oh, like there must be a better way to do this. And the thought had like never even occurred to me that I should just Google <laughs> how to fix arthritis. And then the fact that she did the first program with me the whole way was incredibly helpful. I think there's like not too many people who would do that. And also just like waking up every morning to make green juice and like go grocery shopping. It's a ton of work oh. at the beginning, at least. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, yeah. She's a saint. Oh, yeah. She really is incredible. Yeah. They all need a medal. Everyone who's married or is <laughs> just supporting someone with uh, with RA totally needs a medal. So we were we were going to talk about your back pain and your water fast. I think I'd like everyone to just go and watch your video. I mean, your video is very self-explanatory. Um, it'll introduce those people who aren't familiar with your work and your YouTube channel to what you guys can create, which is fabulous and, and educational work. But um, is there anything that they won't see on that video that you wanted to add about this five-day five total water fast to alleviate back pain. Was there anything else you'd like to, to share about that experience? So I'll just start as if someone has already seen the video. But I think if once you've seen the video, the thing that doesn't really come across is that I think the pain reduction in like day four, starting around day four, is just like absolutely exponential. It's like the first day is pretty brutal because you're not eating. And then the second day, you're like really hungry. And then the third day, you feel kind of weird because you're not eating. And then starting around day four, it just like pain just starts falling away. I know like from previous back injuries that like if I had kind of just like eaten a normal vegan diet and gone to see a physical therapist and an acupuncture, that like severity of injury would have taken me six months to heal. And it healed on day four and day five, mm. like entirely. Um, was it all muscular and sort of strain related? Or do you think that there was some kind of inflammatory component from, you know, an RA or autoimmune perspective? I think the RA definitely makes me more susceptible to injuries and it makes them last a lot longer. But I think it was mainly just like a very strange muscle problem mm. in, in the back from the mattress mm. um, and also from just like that built up from a couple months of stress and not eating well. The other key point from the video is I think we referenced the True North Health Center at the beginning. And I definitely like 
if we had been living in the U.S., I feel like I definitely would have liked to go someplace like that just because they can do all of your blood work and there's doctors around and, and you can even do a much longer fast. Mm. I just mm. did seven days because that was kind of oh. the mm. limit I felt comfortable with. Yeah. And also they say that once you're at pain zero, there's really no point in continuing. Like once your body has finished the healing process, you don't need to go to like a 10-day fast or a 15-day fast just because like you had some sort of number in your mind. It's really like you kind of just have to play it by ear as you're going along. And also if you do it in a controlled environment, then you'll get blood work at the beginning and the end and you can kind of see exactly scientifically what has happened. Because yeah. I think it's very hard for people to believe that it would actually work. But I think like when you have the numbers backing you up, then you can just look at the paper and be like, this is what I was at seven days ago. This is what I'm at today. The last point I would make about the video is that the refeeding process is actually much more challenging than the actual water fast. You kind of get used to not eating um, after like three days, but it's very hard to start eating again in moderation it's exciting because you're eating all these foods and they taste amazing, but it's like, it just takes so long to get back to a normal sized portion just because your stomach has shrunk. And so it's like, you may only fast for seven days, but like you'll be slowly refeeding for 30 days after that. Did you say 30? <laughs> 30. Yeah. Before wow. you like feel like completely normal as if like you hadn't, you know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I think at True North, they even like at True North, they don't allow you to leave. Like every day you do of water fasting, you have to stay two days after. So for a seven day fast, you would be there for three weeks total. Mm -hmm. For those people who aren't aware, True North is in Northern California and uh, it's uh, run by a wonderful group of doctors, all aligned with Patterson Program principles. And Dr. Michael Clapper was one of their chief uh, doctors there for many, many years before he's now gone off and uh, uh, giving lectures all around the world to medical professionals about plant-based diets in parallel to medical care. So thank you. Well, I think we've covered what we wanted to, to cover, and I've certainly enjoyed hearing about your adventures and your health and learn a lot about you, know, you and your wife and the way that you guys view the world and it's it's really cool so uh i'm gonna pay attention to what happens over the coming months with your uh sailboat adventure and i want to wish you all the best of luck and i hope it's fantastic and i hope your health stays perfectly in check for you so that you know even without the greens uh you'll be you'll be doing just great yeah thank you so so much for inviting me on and for inventing the program we are so so grateful um, I can't believe it. Not like just for the amount of time it must have taken to experiment and try all of those different foods. I can only imagine it's just like years and years of work. And also for the podcasts, I feel like it was so nice to like listen to them every time we restarted the program and, and every time we kind of get tired of it. It's nice to just check back in and be like, look at all these other people. They're also doing amazing things. So thank you, really. Awesome. And I think also for introducing to Bikram yoga and um, just like connecting the importance of meditation to arthritis. Ever since I did the very first program, I've meditated every single day. So that's one I haven't made a single exception on. I've done daily, daily meditation now for, I think, three years or I forget, whenever I first started the program, but I haven't skipped a single day. 
Brilliant. And I feel like that's helped a lot with like keeping things in check. Mm. But yeah, thank you so much. Oh, no. thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, uh, mentioning the meditation there at the end as well. I think that's a valuable uh, addition as well. And uh, if you want to go and uh, definitely go, I should say, and uh, follow Lou and Dana over at Wild We Roam on Instagram. That's W-I-L-D-W-E-R-O-A-M. And do you have the same Instagram, Wild We Roam? Oh, sorry, same um, YouTube? Yeah, if you just Google Wild We Roam, everything should come up. I think including the water fast usually comes up right away. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, great. All but right. Yeah, we'll keep you posted on our journey and maybe we'll see you in Florida. That'd be awesome. Yeah, let's try and hook that up. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, Lou. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.